Hey everyone, welcome to episode number three of the Free Path Investor Podcast. In this episode, we sat down with our really good friend, Jen Donnelly. Jen's an all-star landlord in the St. Louis market, and uh, she grew a very respectable size rental portfolio in just a very few short years, actually. Three years she's been doing this? Thing? Yeah, for three years. So um, what was really cool, what she shared with us, is how she found her niche in the rental market. Yeah, so Jen has actually combined the Burr method with Section 8 housing. She's placing all of her tenants on Section 8. And what the, really stood out in this podcast today is she's dispelling a lot of the preconceived notions that many investors have about Section 8. So what I love about Jen's story is she's actually doing all this part-time. She has a full-time job running a cleaning and restoration yep. business, and she's actually scaling her rental portfolio using her day job, which I thought is really cool. So yep. Jen has a lot of people reaching out to her. She's actually becoming the kind of local expert on Section 8. So she's actually uh, going to start teaching on the subject. We'll drop a link in the show notes below to her website where you can find out more about that. Awesome. So yeah, guys, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like, subscribe, leave a comment down below, and enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Take care. See you. Section eight today, and I gotta say, I'm in a tropical mood now. I know. Scary. See, you look, I'm you, telling you, you're in a tropical mood before you drink. I know. Yesterday, I'm flying out to Florida today, so it is. Yeah. Uh, my win for today is I got out and hit some golf balls this morning. So this is my favorite golf round. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. We like to start off, uh, Jen, usually with a, a win, recent win for the week or the month. So what's going on with you? So I have been through a little bit of a buying drought. So I bought my last property in June. I was buying like once, one one a month consistently. And then all hell broke loose and everybody started paying more for houses than they were supposed to, or at least than they were before. So, I know, what what the hell? (laughs) Uh, And then Wednesday, I bought another house finally. So the drought is broken, closed on that one, and I got another contract for later in the month. So That's awesome. That's that's great. So I'm back in the game. Cool. So you, you... Do you try to keep the pace of about a deal a month yeah. these days? That seems to be like what we can keep up with without like killing ourselves. Cause you know, cause I, we were talking earlier, I do all of our deals. So you've got, obviously if you buy it, you gotta rehab it, rent it, refinance it. And I feel like with all that in the mix, one a month is about between rehab, getting the next, getting it, yeah. the last one rented and then we're gonna have to refinance. It's about as much as we can handle right. without yeah. going kind of crazy. And then we, I have some stuff that I bought tenant occupied um, in May of last year, a couple of those have come vacant and we needed to like a good rehab on those. So we've got a few extras going too. So like make ready rehabs or really trash? No, or? one of them was like a $30,000. It was, Ouch. let me tell you a little story about that. So inherited tenant, not section eight, not my coveted oh. section eight. She was a market tenant, it's a Spanish Lake. Right out of the gate, as soon as I bought it, so she, it was a package of 12, right out of, my, out of the gate, I started having rent trouble. You know, she's not paying, an inconsistent payer. 
take her to court, she catches up. This year, take her to court, she catches up. And then in late, mid-May, I get a call from my lawyer and she says, hey, do you own the house at blah, blah, blah address? Yeah. She goes, the neighbor's calling me because my lawyer is the, like the, what is that called? The registered agent for the LLC yeah, that okay. owns the property. Yeah, yeah, right. So the neighbor is calling my office screaming at us there was evidently a drive-by shooting at that house oh yeah today welcome to st louis right yeah <laughs> i'm like oh my goodness then the next thing i know my phone's ringing again it's a realtor that sold me the package and she's like hey this neighbor at this house is gone <laughs> um so anyway i i just the next day i called the police they said oh yeah we've had a ton of issues at that house i didn't know any of this stuff mm. Punishes kind of the house, the tenant's 15-year-old son, we think he's involved with gangs. My God. And she said, and I said, well, you know, is it like, is he being targeted? He's like, well, he shot back. So it's not like it's a one-sided yeah. deal. Yeah. So I called the tenant the next day and I said, look, and she, it was funny, you know, through all that, we still had a good relationship. And I just said, look, you are not safe there. Because the cop even said, talked to me, he's like, what we see is this stuff goes on until somebody dies. Sweet. Yeah. So I just called her and I said, if you guys aren't safe there, you got to get out. So it wasn't about the eviction at that point. It was just getting this person to a better situation and getting them moved on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I was obviously very, ultimately, I'm selfish. I wanted her out, but right. I, I approached it from, you're not safe there. And I believe that to be true. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she agreed, we agreed on a date that she was going to be out. She was out. Wasn't there for the, you know, when I went to look at it. They had painted the walls with uh, ketchup and mustard. Left it like color paint or actual like paint. like so bad that we had to re-drywall it. Are you serious? I'm so serious. Was there like bacon grease all over the place? And... It was, and there was food everywhere, and they yeah. hadn't had the utilities on for a little while. Oh, and then the dogs had peed. She had dogs. They peed so much on the wood floor that they were soft. Mm. I mean, Ooh, it was spongy. bad. Love it. So it probably would have been like a fifteen thousand dollar rehab because I. You know, I do my houses pretty nicely. I mean, they're not, not crazy, but I would have done it to my standard. Yeah. Um, but I think it added another 15K in damage. So did you walk any of these both properties before you bought them? I walked all of them. And you didn't notice the spongy floors or the... They weren't that way at the time. So she had just moved in, okay. right? At that house in particular, right before I bought it. Okay. How long ago did you buy it? In May of 19. Oh, okay. So just, it was just a, a little year. over a year, they completely trashed it. Completely wow. trashed it. This is why we like to start off with a win because we get in this. Yeah. It's rough and, uh, sometimes. Not all sunshine rainbows, right? So, all sunshine uh, and rainbows. That's why we drink during the middle of the day. But that's right. <laughs> Let's get this through. Just get it's a quick Friday, buzz. It's Friday. It's noon. Yes, can, I, can I talk about something else real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Get the floor. Did it, we had a, uh, uh, da, 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 what do they call that? The guy, Mason, right? That work on bricks? Yeah. Yeah. Mason. Did I tell you guys about a couple of weeks ago whenever no. Kim dropped the check off to the to the guy that does that at 10 30 in the morning oh, and he was yeah. so i go with kim we're gonna look at a house she's like oh the new i can't oh, I think he did tell us this. yeah he, he's coming to pick up his check he's the new what's the word um it's not a mason it's a check me crazy uh, tuck pointer tuck pointer there we go tuck pointer for 50. um yeah so he, we go meet the tuck pointer drop off the check he gets out of the car <laughs> out of the truck yeah Grabs a beer, takes a swig, puts it back, okay. walks back. 9.30 a.m. on a Friday. 
Uh, what part of that is unusual? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the punchline. <laughs> but I think if I had to climb up on roofs and stuff all day long, I mean, I might have a steady buzz going off. Yeah, too. that was right after he did. He took the little baddie out and had a one hitter. <laughs> there was no baddie. <laughs> there was no baddie. <laughs> Not that I could see anyway. So anyway. So the one of the rehabs we're trying to finish up right now. I think week one of the rehab. I my first time doing a property check in, or just checking in on the rehab. <laughs> I guess one of the grunt workers on the on the demo crew. I walk up. It's the middle of the day, like middle afternoon, two or three, I think. Yeah. And uh, just taking a break. It's got a cooler next to him. Got a full <laughs> beer. I'm like, what's up, buddy? And he hadn't seen me yet. He's like, Hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, I own this house. He's like, Hey. Oh, you. I'm working for you. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll just pour this out right now. <laughs> <laughs> It was like a two by four, wasn't it? Like a twenty-four ounce can. And he had a whole wow. cooler, so I don't know how many he had that day. Like, look, man, if I see it again, you're gone. Dude. Oh my gosh! And it should. Yeah. He eventually left. He didn't make it to the end of no, the job here. So. No. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> contractors are like their own thing. We could have a whole. We could have a whole episode. episode of yeah, contractors. At least one. Yeah. yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. That's always every investor I talk to. I don't know if it's. A, I think it is mostly a St. Louis thing, like. Finding and keeping your contractors one of the hardest. Well, we parts. just had a guy from Connecticut, a seller. We're walking through a house yesterday or the day before, and the seller was just like, "You guys, like, I love Missouri. Like, you guys' mannerisms are awesome, but you guys don't want to work. <laughs> like, nobody wants to work here. It's all backwards." It's yeah, yeah. Anyway, hard to keep contractors. Jake, we see you over. Did you have any wins? Yeah, tell about your week? win. Uh, my win is that I have a dog trainer. Uh, taking care of my stupid oh, dog. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got a shock collar on him now, and he's not so bad. No. Oh, it's just like a vibrate. It's like it just vibrates. It, it does. I'm gonna put one on you and be like, "It's fine, Jake. It just vibrates." Let me grow my beard a little bit more, and then I'll, I'll let you do that. No, you just put your hand. It doesn't hurt. Oh, I thought it went for you. Got a new car this week. That was last week. Last week. Okay. Yeah. What kind of dog do you have? We don't know. It's it's a ridiculous dog. Um. It's like a pit bull, blue healer, Dalmatian thing. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you sh- couldn't have got like more exercise or more hyperactivity. I know for a fat guy, horrible <laughs> dog to get. Horrible. Is it young? Yeah, it's like a year. What's his name? Dewey. <laughs> He's Dewey the best thing going for your exercise routine, getting awesome your out the walk. Dog, oh, I hate that dog. I love that dog. <laughs> the dog. The dog is like. The, this is a real estate investing podcast, guys. How do we talk about this dog? Dogs are awesome. <laughs> no, because we talk it's about a, personal stuff sometimes. We do real estate so we can have the freedom to have the life we want, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's why we call ourselves the Freedom Path Investors. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Totally love it. So what else about you, Jen? So you're, well, let's talk a little bit about how you got started. Okay. Um, I think I first met you when you were looking to buy one of your first yeah, early on, I was with my husband. Yeah, yeah, it was a house in Florissant. Yeah, remember that cut up little house? We couldn't. Neither of us were. It was like, a weird one. I passed on it. Did you buy it? No, I passed okay. on it too. Okay. And the and the comps weren't. There was like one. Remember there was like an outlier comp, and then the rest of them were just. Yeah, like so the whole series was like, oh, it's a one thirty house. Yes. There's that one comp. Like, if there's only one comp to go off, don't believe it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, that one house that has an extra garage that has a fish basement, granite bath countertops, yeah, all about five hundred square foot more. That's the comp. That, yeah, it's an aberration. Everything else. That's never <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Throw that out. So yeah, talk about your beginnings in real estate and, and where you're at now and kind of where you're going. Yeah. So um, my husband and I actually kept our first house. That way, that we we moved from our first house to our second house in 2007, and we kept the first one. Okay. It's in O'Fallon, Missouri. Still own that house. 
So that's when I technically became a landlord. So you moved out, rented it out. Yeah, and rented it out. We still rented it out. Fabulous. We've got great equity in that house now. We're getting really good rents because it's in O'Fallon. We've got some long-term tenants in there. So that's been really good. Um, but I tell people a lot. Do you guys ever get this? I'm, I know you do. People like people that don't invest right now, they'll come to you and they'll say, you know, I think I really want to get into real estate. I'm going to buy like one or two houses. Yeah. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'll be like, that's a great idea. And you'll be happy you did it in 20 years. But it's, I think it's harder to do when you have one or two in a lot of ways than when you have, cause I've got 26 now because you know, everything that comes up, you're like, I, don't no, know what to do with it. I feel like you're not going to feel the impact of the cash flow to your, to like totally not. a dozen or 20. Even. Well, I think those people that want to buy one or two, that's retirement plan yeah, for the equity position. Yeah. Um, and they'll have it paid off. And so then it's straight, it's basically straight yeah. cash flow. At that I point. think what you're talking about is just having that attention towards the properties and yeah. towards that portfolio. It keeps you tuned in. If you have one or two over a span of a lifetime, 20, 30 years, you're probably just like, it's an afterthought. Totally. And you're not really developing systems and processes around it. Not and at so all. everything's just putting out fires. Yeah. yeah. Well, then if you have a vacancy or something goes out and you're not, you're not spreading out your yeah. risk across your portfolio, then you're really going to feel like burning. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, exactly. then, and then another thing, too, is like something we talk about a lot on this podcast, episode number three, um, <laughs> is that it's just being around people like minded. And so if you have a portfolio of 26 properties or you want to grow a portfolio of 100 like we do, then you're going to be around people that kind of share those same passions and yeah. kind of teach you along the way. If you're only just do, trying to do onesies and twosies, then you're just going to be nothing but disappointed. And you can't fall on anybody to uh, you know learn from. Yeah. I mean, I would say we buy a lot of our deals from tired, burned out landlords. And it's usually, you can tell they never treated it like a business. Yeah, it they was, don't. They thought that this was going to like pay for their life one day and they just, you know, they don't keep on top of their payments or repairs and then, and then it becomes, I think it's also more personal when you only have one or two because it's like, you know, it's your little right. asset baby. And well, have you have your company, you do every, any direct to seller marketing? Or no, seller? I hate buying from sellers. Okay. okay. So obviously we do a lot, right? Uh -huh. That's how we find our deals, or find a lot of our deals. And uh, one of the things that always comes up is just like, all right, ma'am, like the rent rolls or anything like that, like some sort of like ledger showing the tenants pay. Like, no, we're just on a handshake agreement, you know. Like, <laughs> where's the where's the lease? Uh, I, I lost it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. All that. How much do you want for the house? Full retail? No, nope. sorry, go. those two things cannot go together. No, they can't. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. you got your first taste yeah. of landlording. You sold your personal residence. Yeah. And then we we're like, oh, this I could do this. Or no, it's more just like kind of hanging on to it for a long time. And my husband and I would talk about, you know, we wanted to get into real estate at some point. Da, 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 da. But we have a cleaning and restoration company, as you guys know. Yeah. We still have that. That's our primary income source right now and has been for a long time and will be for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. um, and in 2018, that business was having a very bad year, oh. um, which was not very fun. <laughs> but so that was sort of like the, the point for me to kind of push me into, okay, it's time to, to diversify the income. Yeah, income. exactly. I don't want to be relying only on one stream of income. So I went to a, a three-day boot camp, actually down in Springfield, Missouri. Can I say who I went to? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's fabulous. Her name is Dixie Decker. It was about student housing. Okay, I've heard of that. She's yeah. got a huge portfolio of student houses. I don't even know, several hundred doors at this point. And she is a powerhouse, yeah. super smart lady. I actually grew up with her as well. Um, but I mean, just so good. And then I hired her as a consultant for the next year as well. Okay. Um, so that was in April of... 18 
<laughs> and then in June of 18, I bought a flip. And then in, from like August to January, and then I bought another four. And then I bought that package in May of 2019. So that jumped me to like 17 overnight. Um, and that was, quick. it was quick. And it was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's funny how life goes. It, that, that package has taught me a lot. It really changed the business overnight for oh, me. Yeah. allowed me to do a lot of stuff that I wasn't doing yet, add systems and processes. But it's also been, it's, it's been tough. a big, yeah, it's been tough. It's been a learning curve. Yeah. And we're still cleaning up. Well, just from that. you have someone helping you. Yes. With this. And yes. so can you talk about how you found her yeah. and, and all that? Just kind of dive into it. Yeah. So um, I have an employee in Claria. So Claria Clean is the name of my cleaning company, and it's the property management company for real estate. Because we can run contractors and stuff through there. We have work comp, we have general liability. I've got all okay. the systems and processes and things like that set up. So then Keeps your employees busy? Yeah, we don't really use money, our employees in that business for the real estate, except for Kim. So um, you guys know Kim, she is amazing. So she was actually, she is an employee of Clary Clean and she was before. Okay. We actually got into real estate. Um, she, her job description has changed like a hundred times, but today- <laughs> I'm sure she loves that, doesn't she? She actually, she kind of does love it. She doesn't like to be bored. Okay. Um, she's one of those just amazing people that Take ownership of whatever you give her. We'll do whatever you ask. Just she's just awesome. I mean, she's just awesome, and she and I become really good friends over yeah, the last yeah. few years as well, which is just an awesome little benefit. It's not something that's common for me with employees. I just what friends or just like to have employees that I feel like are good friends yeah. as well. It's just yeah. kind of it's just it's hard sometimes. So anyway, she's awesome, and she's a realtor. So she at this point does most of our acquisitions work. She goes and looks at most of the properties that we're looking at, whether it's from wholesalers or MLS. She's basically your operations manager. She really is. Yeah. And she manages the rehabs and the maintenance. Okay. So yeah. the only part I do is I make sure we have money to buy the deals from the somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like anything that's more tenant related, if it's unless it's maintenance. And that's why I'm, you know, getting the properties out for rent and dealing with that sort of stuff and then sure. refinancing and all that too. Okay, gotcha. So you're you're kind of feeling all your tenant apps and everything. Yeah. And you want to be the one to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually what I, my, so my vision is, so I want to get to, so I've got 26 now, I want to get to a hundred by the end of 2026. So that's basically one a month okay. yeah. for the next however Same long here. that Hopefully is. Cheers. Be, uh, cheers. Cheers to a hundred houses together. Yeah, That'd be awesome. Together, yeah. um, so my hope is at that point that I can have two property managers that should generate enough income and property management income to have two. Yeah. One is like the field person, like what Kim is doing. And then the other one is the office administrator okay. type person. Yep. So to back it up a little bit, you, you said you, uh, you bought that flip to, was, what, was that your first deal? That was my first deal. So did you like get a taste of flipping and rehabbing? You're like, eh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> it almost, it almost killed me. <laughs> it almost killed me. So Kim, like, it like almost was a little divorce. It was horrible. Oh, like, I mean, I maybe be a little dramatic, but it was really bad. Well, did, you, did you come out even, or was it a loss? It was a loss. Ooh. Yeah, that's, it's tough. You mind yeah. sharing how much? Twelve grand. Okay. Yeah. Well, and when you're first starting out, that's a huge. And it was a huge. You guys, it was a huge rehab. Yeah, it was. It's like now, I'd be like whatever. But <laughs> um, it was a huge rehab, which I mean. <laughs> I think our budget for the rehab per the wholesaler per like three people I had walk it with me was 45 grand it ended up being 80 in the end. It was so it was a hundred year old house. I mean, just, this is exactly what I did too. 
Really? Oh, I'm so glad to hear I'm not the only dumbass. Rehab, in the world. Well, luckily we made money still, but um, I did a joint venture for my first rehab project. I found a deal and I found a partner to bring the money and that he had his rehab crew and everything. They were knocking projects out for him. Great. Well, it all went bad on our house. And <laughs> the rehab went from 65 to I think it ended up being like 95. And um, we bought it in an area where it was like on the rise. And luckily the values kept rising yes. and the ARV we projected, uh, we ended up listing it higher and it sold over asking and it all worked out. Thank God. But that could have put me out of business <laughs> right away from the start. So yeah. that's funny. So it was miserable. It really gives credence to why you need to know your numbers yeah. and why you need to stick to that because things can go sideways really quick. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we always call it our college because it taught us to rehab a house. Yeah. We had to put yeah. in a new wall. We had to lift a kitchen floor. We had wow. to do a bunch of foundation work, which we didn't plan for. I mean, other than termites, I think everything that could have gone wrong with that house did. It's almost a good way to start, though. It really you is. You find out everything that go can go wrong and will go wrong and you know what it takes to Yes. We have a hostel together, so. Yeah, you find out costs. I mean, we yeah. went through bad contractors, and we had to clean up their mess with good contractors. Yeah. And so, I mean, we came out of it knowing a lot. It took 11 months from start to finish to sell it. It mm. was just miserable. I'm, like, afraid to even drive by it at this point. Like, <laughs> Where, where's the house again? It's in Overland. Okay. And it was the same thing. I mean, the you know, I had put the, and everybody that looked at it for the ARV, like, at 130, and it sold for 150. It was beautiful when it was Oh, done. I know this house. You did two three two two hood. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I walked. Oh, yeah, I looked at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And when, when they sold it, I was just like, "Who bought it?" Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this dumbass. That's the house. I remember. It's small. Oh, it's such a small world. Like St. So Louis is not that big. No. And we small. We've got an assistant working for us, and like she'll come across a lead or like fill us in with a yeah. new. Uh, contractor investor like oh yeah we know that we talked to them or i've seen that house <laughs> i it happens all the time that people will have post stuff or like the one that um the pastor house guys bought and lost in the fire like, i looked at that house a year ago <laughs> <laughs> so you said your husband was in with you at the start yes did he you guys not work together well or he just get you a know, taste and not like it or what we just our personalities are very different when it comes to seriousness i would say like i'm just like it's all gonna be fine everything is gonna be fine in the end and yeah. he's very particular and when things go wrong he can get really worked up about them and so it, that's just not a good combination it's funny we work together in our cleaning business and we're fine um probably because those things are ironed out those systems and processes i think that's it so he so the way that business was formed was you know he was doing it full-time from like 2005 on and i left my corporate job and joined him in 2011 so it was sort of like the roles were i i think it was a lot of that it just yeah. was already kind of set whereas this was just starting out and i think i have probably control issues and so i wanted to do it my way and he wanted to do it his way mm -hmm. um, and i was the one that had gone to the courses and everything so yeah. i thought i was an expert you were kind I was of with it. definitely not an expert but i wanted to think it's i was good you guys realized that early on yeah wasn't a rip to your marriage or anything so yeah i mean he's not even seen all the houses he doesn't know where they are and once in a while i'll be like hey you want to go do a house tour today so we'll show him a few i was talking to an older uh, seller an older lady i think in maryland heights and um this was a couple of years ago, uh, and she was talking to me about her property. She's like, well, I don't know if I'm going to sell it or keep it. I might buy the house up the street. I'm like, lady, what are you trying to do? She's like, I'm just naughty. <laughs> like, my husband doesn't know. <laughs> 
I like her. Yeah, I'm going to go hang out on her front porch. Yeah, at some point, they're going to know if she's guy. There's all these houses out there. But, but, but when she said I'm naughty, I was just, like, I had to like, I love her. hold the phone away. Like, <laughs> she might have been 80. I love her so yeah. much. That's who I want to be. I want to be like kind of like the crazy lady. The people like, Not we love her, lady. but she's kind of crazy. <laughs> we love you, bro. Well, I wouldn't say you're crazy. I'd say uh, you're fiery and uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of spark. Thank you. Maybe Thank when you're you. older, you'll be that crazy lady. But. Yeah, maybe it won't suit as well when I'm 80, but it's going to be fine. No, I'm going to be like the lady at the bars and people are like taking video and like, look at this 90 year old dancing alone. That'll be me. <laughs> so talk about buying a package of 17 properties. Like 12. That's 12. 12. Okay. That's still, I mean, that's baptism by fire yeah. early on in your career. So what, what kind of struggles and challenges did you go through there? Oh man. So I didn't really, I, I asked for like a history of rents paid. Mm-hmm. But I didn't specifically get a rent ledger. Yeah. And that, that those things are different. So just to get like a like a snapshot of like, do they owe any money? Yes or no is not the same as being able to see well when do they actually pay each yeah. month. Yeah. So I didn't get that. Um, so the so the way that came about was we were selling a warehouse that we owned, and so we had some capital gains. I was going to write a pretty good sized check to the government. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do a 1031 exchange. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. Yeah. Hopefully that's still around. Anyway. So I was sort of hell bent on buying a package. And even I remember Brian Schroeder saying to me, just be careful because packages are usually not in very good shape. And I can, I can remember where I was. And I remember thinking, this is going to come back to bite me. Um, and so I had them all inspected. I walked them all. But, and I think what's hard is I was so new at that point and I didn't know what I really wanted my houses to look like in the end. Yeah. And the guys I bought them from were like, you don't have to do much at all when these people, when these people move out, like spit some paint at the wall, get that sucker to pass yeah. occupancy and rent it. So I was like, well. And they told you the truth, right? <laughs> because I think that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's fine. It's just, I just couldn't do it. But I also, from a business perspective, realized pretty quickly, well, if that's all you do, it's hard to find good tenants. It is. Yeah. Because the product you put out there is a project. That's, is yeah. Kind of it's going to depend on, yeah, that's going to dictate well, who you attract. We were just talking to a seller on the phone before he came and uh, we've been trying to break through with this guy for a while. Multifamily. He's got a big four family yeah. building. It's worth yes. a lot of money if it's all fixed up. And uh, I was like, well, guy, I'll just say guy, whatever. Um, what do you think needs to happen to the property to max out the value? Like, well, for the clientele I put in there, I don't think you need to do anything. Okay, so you've owned it for 30 years, you haven't put a dime into the property, yeah. and that's why your rents were so low when you could probably double them. Yeah. And uh, we talked to a lot of landlords like that, where they just don't see the value of investing in the property. Yep. They just look at it like an ATM vending machine. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, uh, I feel bad for the, the tenants that get stuck in there. Yeah, me too. And just the neighbors, the property values going down. And um, oh, it's just, it's just funny to hear the different mindsets. It and is. Different investors. And, yeah, it totally is. I mean, I'm, I'm always, not always, but I'm often surprised when I walk a tenant occupied property. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, I just can't believe yeah. people are like, can go to sleep at night letting people live in a house yeah. like this. Right. So we, we all, all three of us are, to us really we use the burn method mm-hmm. okay and part of that is the refinance process yeah so we use other people's money other people's money to buy the property and then we refinance with the local bank 
you can't really do a refi when the house looks like hell. No, you can't. You know, I mean, like we have that problem right now. So yeah, we just bought a house yeah. um, that you're aware of on, uh, in uh -huh. Edmondson. Yeah. And, um, you know, we bought it with the tenant occupied and they've been there for quite a while. Mm -hmm. 10 years. The landlord has not invested a dime in years unless it was absolutely had to be done. There's um, three layers of shingles on this house. And I think the last <laughs> layer was laid on 30 years ago. So <laughs> that tells you anything. So like, is that on the landlord or the tenant, you know, or is it a little bit of a both? Well, like the way they're sure. the property, if the yeah. owner doesn't give a damn about right. it. Right. You know? I think at the end of the day, I always blame the landlord because they have, they're the power broker in this situation. You know, yeah. they don't, they, they choose how they make it look at the beginning. They choose the tenant. They choose yeah. how to keep the tenant. And they choose how to coach the tenant. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, coach the tenant's highly important. So it's, I, I, I always blame the landlord if it's gone on that long. Yeah. yeah. But to get back to the landlords that kind of just, I don't want to call them slumlords, but they don't up, they don't take they don't care of the property over yeah, the they course don't, yeah. of, of owning it. I feel like those are the people that buy one or two at a time or in their in their life and they put 20% down. Those are those kinds of investors. Yeah, it's just probably. not a really good product. It seems like to me. I think it's just a philosophy too. It depends on what part of town they're buying it. I mean, you know, I, these guys that I bought from, they're still buying as far as I know, and this is their model and I suppose it works for them. But back to what I learned, like, if I knew then what I know now, I would have known like these are houses are all going to cost me a lot when these tenants move out because I'm I'm going to rehab this to my standard and that's not going to be very cheap. I just thought at the time, like, well, maybe these guys are right. Maybe this is how you have to do this to make these work in the, these neighborhoods. And that's I've just I found mean, out that's not true. Every package I've ever analyzed, like it seems like you always got to take on a couple of dogs in there to make it all yeah. work out. Like so looking back. Did you know like these were areas that were kind of on the fringe? You didn't even know about them very well, or like like the areas of town? You mean? Or yeah, like or was it just like the numbers in the spreadsheet look so good where you had to do it? I made a bunch of phone calls on the areas of town, and I get such varying i different you know opinions on it that I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know what to think, and so. Part of them are in an area of town that I don't buy in anymore yeah. because I've learned like just from experience. Yeah, it's just it's just not a great area. Um, so I would you know that I wouldn't have done that either. Yeah. But I don't have a hard time finding good tenants in those areas once the houses are rehabbed nicely. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's it just they're costing me some money now when they're coming vacant. I inherited two two tenants I had to evict right out of the gate. Two more that we were filing evictions on within, you know, four months, and then they caught up. One is still there. She has finally caught up, and she stayed caught up. But I think I filed on her twice, and then I had the, the shootout house. Oh yeah, shoot my bang bang house. Back to the beginning of the conversation. Right. So bang bang street. Yeah. So okay, so you you have seventeen properties now in the yeah. story. Yeah. At some point, you decided that you liked Section Eight. So I was getting ready to say. Yeah. yeah. So, but the I think. The reason I would still do it today, if I had to make the same choice, I would need to be a little more ignorant still. Um, but I bought like six of those properties had Section 8 tenants in them. And at that point, I never took Section 8 because I would Google, should I take Section 8? And I would talk to other <laughs> landlords and they would say, don't do it. The guaranteed rent is great, but the tenants are awful. They're going to trash your house. The housing authority is a nightmare to deal with. It's just, and the rents are low, just not worth it. But then once I got these six properties, I had a couple of good tenants. And I figured out that the housing authority is not really that bad once you learn their system. So both of them here, I work with, there are two here that we have for St. Louis. We have one for the city, one for the county. Okay. 
um, and the tenants get a voucher from one or the other, and then they can go anywhere with that voucher. So I have like half my tenants have a city voucher, half have a county voucher. Sure. But here, um, until the pandemic, the housing authorities, they were doing a landlord class every month. So I went to the landlord class, I met a few people, yeah. and I just figured out like, this does not have to be awful, okay. done right. And the light bulb for me was, started talking to some of the tenants, and I realized every time I put a house out for rent in one of these areas, like 70% of my callers have a yeah. voucher. Yeah. And I'm saying, no, I don't take it. No, I don't take it. No, I don't take it. So it's like, wait a second. So I started asking a few more questions and I realized demand mm -hmm. for Section 8 housing is like up here and supply is way down here. And if you say supply that's like quality housing, it's really low. Yeah, I believe that because I, I used to work for a company. We were a turnkey rail company. And we did not deal with Section 8. And I, I didn't work on the property management side, but they would always get calls from tenants because we would put out a nice product house and they would get a ton of people interested with vouchers. Yep. But I guess they just didn't understand how to work with Section 8, so they didn't deal with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that light bulb, I was like, wait a second. I'm if, if if there's that big of a disparity and I've got the supply, I can totally capitalize on this. Mm -hmm. So the way that I've done that is just putting out a really nice product like you guys were putting out. And then like the last one I put out was a 3-1, 1,200 square foot slab in Bell Fountain Neighbors. We had 30 showings in four days and 13 applications. Wow. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. So, it's just and the, there are the good demand tenants. for affordable housing right now is so high. It's and insane. The, it's, even when it comes to rentals, the, the, the supply is so low right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, just, and people say all the time, like, you're just the nicest house I've looked at. It's the nicest house I've looked yeah. at. So I, I am able to get great tenants quickly. I mean, of the 13, I denied 11 of them. I'm really particular about my screening. Um, but I, so I denied 11 of them. I had two left. One I put in that house and one I put in another house we had coming available. Um, so I'm able to get really good tenants quickly. And then the systems are just easy to follow with a housing authority as long as you know what you're doing. So you, so there's some stigmas with Section 8 yep. that you talked about or that people talk about. Um, and it seems like you, so you pumped out a good product, you had a lot of applicants, and you got to vet and choose your who you wanted in there. I get to pick the best one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So what's that, how's that different than market rent for that side of it, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And then here, and this is the case, this is not just the case in St. Louis, because I've seen this around the country in like forums and stuff I pay attention to. In the areas where I'm at, which I'm like in B and C neighborhoods, you guys know where I'm at in North County, um, I get higher rents than what market tenants get, okay. what market rents are. So it depends on how you figure it, right? But like my rents are 11% above Zillow and they're 6% above the rentimeter average okay. so i call that like eight percent you know kind of who sure. knows average those, average. um my average most of my properties are three ones my average rent is a thousand sixty six dollars and it doesn't matter here's the thing that's funny about section eight all that really matters the biggest determiner when whenever they're giving you a rent amount is the number of bedrooms so like a three one slab that's 900 square feet on the same street, if you have a three-two that's twelve hundred square feet, yeah. the rents are going to be only very minimally different. Right. But I can acquire that first one a whole lot cheaper. Doesn't matter if there's a basement or right. garage or mm. just all about that. I think you get a like a little bump, but not much, very little. So let's sell the sizzle with Section Eight. Yep. 
How much is your portfolio increasing cash flow because of making that switch? Have so I, d I haven't, you know what, I haven't measured it because I have built it pretty much through Section 8. Okay. So I don't know. Um, but I, like I said, I just assume it's like 8% more than market rate. Push the rents 10% or just 100 bucks on each property. Yep. Do you even have to go outside of marketing to sec go Section 8? Right I now, only or? go to gosection8.com when I put a house out and for the demand rents. that high. You don't have to go anywhere else. Yeah. Wow. It's awesome. Huh. It's awesome. And then I totally automate the showing system through ShowMojo. ShowMojo, yeah. So I don't touch it. People schedule and I put it on Go Section 8. They schedule, they apply. Yes. I don't do anything until the applications show up. Wow. wow. Yeah. It's awesome. Here's another little thing. People always think like, oh man, are you, because I do have some tenants that pay a portion of the rent and then I always bill forward the sewer. Okay. And then if I have to pay trash, I'm in a town where I have to pay trash, I bill that forward too. Sure. So I have people say, oh my gosh, but are you driving to go get your rent every month? No. <laughs> so you have property management software. Yes. Okay. And section eight tenants can pay online just like everybody else. Sure. Yeah. So, people always just assume like, you're just having to go like get the money counted in cash. That's not happening. That's so funny. Cause I was that same tired landlord we were just talking to. He's telling me how he's got different pay schedules with every different tenant. I'm like, how do you keep track of that? You're like tail, wag the dog, totally. buddy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Just, yeah. Anyway, so do you see any discrepancies between like a Section 8 tenant that has a full voucher mm. or they have to come out of pocket at all? Like, is there any more struggles? None. And the thing of it is it changes because it depends upon their family size, where they're working, how much, not where they're working, but how much they're making. Um, and so it shifts over time. So what'll happen is you get an in, initial spread, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Setup. So, ha you know, housing authority pays this much and the tenant pays that much. Right. But then if their job changes, oh. it'll change midterm and then every year they're going to reevaluate it again mm -hmm. annually and it'll change again every year so i can't even and the tenants don't know either you don't know until the day they can move in how much the how much they pay and how much really the housing authority pays huh. yes and so sometimes they're like Woohoo, i don't have to pay anything this time <laughs> around and sometimes they're like oh shoot i didn't know i had to pay that much this time yeah wow, so, so it's impossible to to vet based on that so it's just it's not even and i haven't found a difference but well, i mean what's the highest amount someone has to come out of pocket um i had the highest one i've ever had it was still on section eight the rent was 925 and she paid 822 so it's a pretty big chunk okay i can imagine though i mean if you got you know, a lower income job and a few kids, like just having any kind of assistance is a bonus. So, yeah, um, and it's changed this year. So it's like more, she pays more like half now. Rent went up and her portion came down. So it's just, it's so funny. And then I've had two that have, their income has gone up. And so they've actually lost the, they haven't lost the voucher, they've lost the assistance. And when that happens, then they have six months and if they stay, if their income doesn't change again, then they get kicked off the program, mm -hmm. but they both, so, you know, they both sent in new okay. for both of them. They were working extra hours through the pandemic because they're both in medical. Um, so they they had overtime and stuff on their reevaluation. It wasn't consistent. So did you find this process is just easier for your situation being a full time business owner or co-business owner with your husband um, and then not being in real estate full time, just to have the systems with go section eight? Like, I feel like that cuts down a lot your property management work or maybe i think actually it's possibly more 
But once I, I'm just not, like, I'm very, I'm a very systematic person. So like I always say, like, if you tell me the rules of the game, I will learn the rules and I will maximize the rules. That is a common uh, thing people say that are successful in this business. Yeah. So I, that's why I love it. I'm like, okay, the same things happen every year, every time. Here's the rules. I will. So that's just, it just, I think it just suits my personality. Well, yeah. I don't think section eight is a good idea for people who kind of fly by the seat of their pants people, which there are a lot of real estate investors that are that way yeah. because, or get somebody that's good at systems because yeah. otherwise it will eat you alive. Yeah. It's not terrible, but there is some upfront heavy lifting and then there's some things along the way that are great for landlords, like rent increases that you can put in every year. And there's some stuff when they move out that you need to take advantage of. And if you miss that, you're going to miss out on cash flow and your house might be trashed. Okay. So let's go back. So now you're doing, doing primarily section eight. Mm -hmm. And earlier you alluded to the supply and demand curve. Yep. Right? And so you feel like it's section eight is, such a powerful tool in your portfolio mm -hmm. that you decided that you wanted to go teach this to other people. Yeah. Right. That's so right. I think some, you have something called section eight, educate section eight, educate.com. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So what happened was I was starting to get a lot of phone calls from people here locally that were like, Hey, I hear you do a lot of section eight. Can you teach me about this? Can I take you to lunch? Can I get you to coffee? And then I'm getting a lot of like Facebook items and just a lot of that started happening. Wow. And I found that when I would, I'm pretty active on our local Facebook pages for real estate investors. You guys know that. And I found if I would ever mention something about section eight, then I would get even, you know, more communication from people. And so I just decided like, I think that there might be a business opportunity here. And I, I love talking to people. I'm just super passionate about real estate. I have such a good time with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to, you know, if I, if I, if I coach on this, then I'm able to combine like talking about what I love to talk about all day long, yeah. plus these systems that I already use for our business. So that's no big deal. And it was also, if I'm honest, getting to where it was like, okay, I need to make a decision here because this is trying to take up a fair amount of my time. And I think time is valuable. You know, I, early on when, when I didn't know how to rehab a house or how to ask for repairs, I had a woman here locally who was a realtor and I would pay her per house to run comps and go walk them with me because I didn't think it was right for me just to use, use her time. You can burn out agents really quick. Just, just not fair. So many properties and making dozens of offers. No, I, I sort of got them and use you on the listing. Yeah. Right. If I buy them and use you on the listing, yeah. like, okay, pick a number. <laughs> yeah. And I just don't think that's right. I'm really big on paying people for their time. Um, and I feel the same way about me too. So. Yeah. Well, it's not opportunity cost free if it's pulling you away from yeah. your day job. I mean, you yeah. might have to hire a replacement for you there to go do this stuff. So, but if I didn't love it, if I didn't, you know, I do some coaching with my other business, with some smaller business owners. Um, if I didn't love that piece of it, if I didn't think our systems were really good, if I didn't want to experience what it was to be able to coach other people, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't because yeah. I, I'm just not somebody. I mean, I like money. Don't get me wrong, but like most important to me is having fun in life, doing what I want to do yeah. every day, getting out of bed, and like having a good time. So we, we talked about before we started the, the episode here about oversaturation in the education space in real estate. Um, I feel like you, this is such a niche mm -hmm. thing though, like no one's in this space talking about. So I think you have a lot of altitude here, a lot of room for growth and everything like that. And you have to find hugely valuable. Everybody should learn about it. I mean, did, looking back, I mean, I just love hearing how people's journey got them to where they are. Yeah. You, just you knew you want to get into real estate you started flipping like did you ever think you were going to land on 
be in the sex queen of section eight like never in a million years like i knew i wanted to get into a niche because that's just my my personality it's like if i, I want to find one thing i'm good at and just do it over and over and over again but i if, if you would told me it was section eight, like there's no way <laughs> <laughs> that's all i mean so some people out there like it might not sound sexy and attractive like yeah getting the 200 bucks or 300 bucks a month of each house cash flow it's not a big awesome number yeah but like having to me having a repeatable system and a process that you can 10x that or compound that yeah that's exciting yeah yeah i, I mean, say that to people a lot like because <laughs> early on we went on vacation with all my college roommates and their husbands yeah. they were like what are you doing talk to us about it and my husband attempted to explain it he goes okay and he proceeds this super long story and it's all hard work and you work your tail off and you finally get a tenant and then at the end you get two hundred dollars a month <laughs> <laughs> oh. and my friends were like that sounds horrible <laughs> but i said listen to me you guys i go five years from now i'll never have to work again a day in my life yeah and y'all are gonna be 45 years old and you're looking at 20 more years to get to retire yeah 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 do something amazing now so so speaking, so you're getting two hundred dollars a month net cash flow, or three hundred. My average month. is actually three fifty six right now. Wow, that's awesome. So after so yeah, we're shooting everything. for two two fifty. So I think you yeah. are pushing it at least a hundred bucks. I mean, yeah. I mean, the so what has happened in reality was two fifty was my number right out of the gate, but because I've been able to get higher rents than I thought I could. I'm See, when higher. I asked you about your portfolio and your cash flow, that was the time to say that. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. So yeah, I mean, this is one of those deals. You're like, you're not taking the proceeds or not. Everything's going probably back into your, your business. I take a little bit out. I take like a hundred bucks a house yeah. out per month. Okay. So I mean, that's nice. That's always nice to pay yourself. Pays for my car. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think what we talked about earlier too. You see a lot of people that end up with just a couple of rental properties. I think they get into it, and it's a lot of work that they didn't realize, and it's like this is just not worth it to get a little bit of cash flow, if anything, yeah. at the end of the month. So, well, I also think it's really awesome how like your tax dollars are just going right back into your property. Yeah. Funding your whole real estate <laughs> thing. Like, like, not only are you like every, like 90% of millionaires are through real estate or some, there's some statistic like that, but you're also using your own tax money to fund that. Yeah. Like it was tax money. So that's pretty cool. Some people too. said you're just getting your tax money back. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, you guys, we, we have, we have such good tenants. They take good care of the house. I love that part too. Like I like, you know, being able to help them out. And I just I hope it's okay for me to say this, like people have stereotypes about people on section eight, but almost all of our tenants work. You yeah. know, it's not like they're it's just close. sitting in the house doing nothing all day long. Like right. sort of, again, that stigma. Of yeah, like, that's, I think I was gonna say, that's one of the stigmas people think it's just people getting the government handout. And that's why the properties aren't gonna be kept up with everything. But yeah. They have incentive to keep the property nice or else they lose that voucher. They could put their voucher at risk. Again, that's going to be dependent on the landlord to take advantage of the processes given to them to let the caseworker know, which could put the voucher at risk. But um, the big thing, too, that I think people miss out on is in the screening process, not doing a home visit. Uh, yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, I think of that as like the safety net. Mm. That's just good process. property management advice. Totally. Yeah, not just Section 8. But, and, and back to like, not working, not doing anything. I mean, that's, you find that with market tenants too. Yeah. People might forge just, you know, a paycheck or something like that, or 
fudge some numbers or whatever and get into that property and you find out they don't have a job or they just got fired. It's it, all kinds of scams out there. I remember a local investor was on the news last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. lease option the, scam. The zero yeah. squatters. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and honestly, I mean, I have a really lengthy screening process. It's like a two and a half page single space checklist, but I don't have to worry about vetting their income. So in some ways it's easier because I feel like that's uh, the most critical piece. Yeah. 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 So it's just interesting. Fascinating stuff. I'm going to get another round. You guys keep following. Cool. Getting another round? Uh, alcohol? Yeah. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Jake, you want to try one of these tasty pineapples? They're so delicious. I'll, I'll have a tasty pineapple. That's fine. This is going to change your world. These high noons. I'm, I'm telling you. Well, Especially on a warm day like today. Know. Awesome. Thank you. I know. It's uh, October and it's 80 degrees <laughs> outside here. Yeah. Nice, so. We're gonna be on the beach in a couple weeks here, actually. So you guys are vacationing together? Uh, together. Well, <laughs> we're, we're together. <laughs> <laughs> you two, your family. No, uh, we're no. actually going to a real estate mastermind, well, and uh, it happens to be on the beach in Destin, Florida. So. Well, that's awesome. Why not? Yeah. So, tell me about can I, can I hear about your mastermind? Is that allowed? Yeah, we we just been looking for something to uh, level up as business owners. Yeah. Um, you know, we've been through a lot of just training and coaching on strategies. And we have a local mastermind we're both in that we lean on a ton. I love that um, mastermind. I do too. I, yeah. It's gotten us to where we are right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, but um, we were just looking to expand a little bit more and we found this one where it seems like there's gonna be a lot of high level people there. They're talking about more about you know raising capital for your business um, and just operating more on a business owner level. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, on the beach, so bonus. Yeah. Can't be it. <laughs> well, so we're, is it just like a one-off or is it ongoing? Uh, I think it's just a one-off. Okay. Um, so we were just talking about like just our business acumen, how to make decisions, the right steps, and everything like that. Things that we just don't know about. Like yeah. we know about we know about buying properties at, at a great discount. We we can do that. Yep. Um, but just running a business, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's new. Yeah, that's kind of why we had this podcast too, so that we could just bring people in our network and we could pump them for information. Absolutely. <laughs> and find out some Free stuff. info, we'll get a little bit of publicity. <laughs> I love yep. We're all learning from each other. We've got nothing to sell or nothing like that. So, no. uh, just hopefully we can share what we're learning with our, our audience here. Uh, the whole, hey, maybe there'll be a couple thousand people on here one day. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah. 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 You never know. We, have, we asked uh, Sam and Luke to join us, and I was like, if you, want to get, if you guys want to be less famous, join our podcast. <laughs> 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 Sam's got a million uh, TikTok followers. 1.5 million. No way. Views on one of his TikTok. But yeah, we were just having a dinner with Brian Schroeder last night, and uh, he was telling me about that. I was like, what? It's just uh, mind-blowing. Yeah. No idea what it would come blow up to be. So. TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Which I, I keeps you know, keep hearing the news. Uh, it's gonna get banned, and there's all this China collusion stuff. China, China. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, do you? Uh, I've been been paying attention to this election stuff. Like they're talking about the Democrats wanting to pull 1031 exchange money and making, uh, you know, talking about rent control. Like, I mean, this is why we're chosen to be a mastermind to help navigate through this yeah. stuff. Like, do you? You have any kind of worry about that? And hear anything in the Section Eight circles at all? Like, I'm not hearing anything in the Section Eight circles, but I don't really have a Section Eight circle because there just aren't that <laughs> many people. That, yeah. yeah, there's like people that are so few people that are that are doing it the way that I'm doing it anyway. I, I mean, maybe there are people here locally. I would love that if you're out there, <laughs> you do it the way I do it. 
Please call me. We'll try to increase your circle there. We're going to have a ticker tape underneath going. Cool. So we'll have your website and everything. Perfect. So um, most of the people that have been reaching out to you and asking you questions, are they landlords looking for a better way? Or Yeah, it's a lot of people that uh, it looks to me like are smaller landlords. Um, I'm trying to kind of think back in my head. They're typically a little bit smaller landlords and they've never done Section 8 before and they want to potentially transition, especially with this pandemic with evictions being an issue yeah. and all that good stuff. So they're they're concerned, but then they think, I've always heard terrible things about Section 8. I had one person call, she called two weeks ago. She's like, but I mean, you look like a small person. So I think if you are able, if you're feeling safe going into these neighborhoods, then I can probably do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Jen Donnelly has the biggest <laughs> magnum 44. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just people are, I mean, I was too. I'm like, that sounds amazing. You know, guaranteed money. Heck yeah, sign me up. But then you just hear all this terrible stuff. And so it's You were mostly. making a comment earlier um, off the air about some man was making a degrading comment to you. Another, another fellow investor or? Oh, it's just more people just often say to me, like, um, oh, so do you help your husband in this business? Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, uh, do you do the books? That's, yeah. that's all that. Yeah. And no, you know, if, if that's who you are, if you're a woman that does those things in your husband's business, awesome. But it aggravates me. I don't know why. I have a little bit of a short trigger for like, yeah. come on. Oh, well, no, this is my thing. I can imagine why. You're a very strong independent person to hear that. I mean, too. <laughs> I guess I'll cross off that question about how you find time to raise your kids while I'm here. Just <laughs> Do you even know us though? I don't know. I know. Yeah. I actually always say about I love my children. They're lovely little people, but I think I'm missing a bit of a gene. Like I'm not super maternal. Oh shit. <laughs> I love them and we yeah. hang out. They're great, but like I, I just want to hang out with them. I don't want to be like, yeah, you know, we're gonna go You're sell your stuff. And, yeah, I don't check their grades online. I don't do any of that stuff. Well, why would you? People do it. Yeah. I don't know. They're smart, they'll figure it out. Right? Exactly, it's gonna be fine. Well, we we kind of touched on your why a little bit. Huh. You know, you had some trouble in your day, full time business, and uh, you're looking for a better way. So, I mean, besides that, I mean. What keeps you going and what really motivates you? Ooh, tough one. Well, I think I just want to be honest. Like the the easy answer and the obvious one people say is like, oh well the money and the you know the freedom down the road. And I that is a if if that wasn't there, I wouldn't be doing it. But I'm just having fun. Loving the process. I just love this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love people like you guys who are like oh, have values yeah. like me and we have fun and we hang out. I love real estate. I love looking at them. I love evaluating them. I love it. I love it. I really like my kids. Too, so. <laughs> I didn't say I barely like. Bobby Lucas, sorry. I'm just not like. <laughs> I'm not. Listening. Oh, I hear you. No, I understand. Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's fair to say. But cool, Jed. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, any value bombs you want to drop mm -hmm. about your uh, upcoming Section Eight program here? Where, where we can find out more about it? Yeah, so you can find out more at sectionateducate.com. Mm -hmm. um, I have three coaching levels. If it's okay for me to share about that. And I think that the tenant screening checklist alone makes the whole program worth it. Because so if it saves you, it's um, the tenant screening checklist isn't, but like the, pro, the coaching programs are on there. 
Um, and I think that the tenant screening checklist alone is worth awesome. worth the money. Awesome. My opinion. Actually, I've had some folks here locally ask me if I will screen tenants for them. I'm like, only for a really large dollar amount and you will not want to pay. <laughs> well, I mean, when I was doing property management, some people would call us and ask to just do what we call the lease up. Yeah. Just find us a tenant and they would just pay the first month's rent customary is that what you're offering i would be no it would be like three thousand dollars it would be ridiculous because it's just i just don't it's important but i don't love that yeah and so i better make a a whole lot of money doing that's a take or leave it number right (laughs) your contractor doesn't want to do a job it's like it's a hundred thousand dollars like are you sure you didn't look at the house like trust me it's a hundred you know people ask me all the time about you know, other coaching programs I've done and stuff. And they're like, was it worth it? You know, that's the biggest question I always get. Like, I always say, if you get one thing that yeah. can help you move forward, yeah. it's totally worth it. Yeah. No matter what the price tag is. Yeah. Like, In real estate, I've done two. The first one I talked about, and then I did another one. I didn't get as much out of the second one, but I would do them both over again in a sure. heartbeat. And I probably spend between our mastermind and a couple of other things I do, probably 25 grand a year on professional development. So, we, we had a conversation on the phone yesterday about just, and I think you probably, everyone says this stuff, right? You spend 50, 60, 70, 80 grand in college to get a degree, to get a job. Yeah. Right. right? And we're spending like 10 K a year, maybe more, depending on what you're doing for, you know, professional education to run a business. Yeah. And people see the coaching side is sometimes scamming them yeah. they're from the outside. They're like, no, there's so much more value in there. Then sometimes there can be in the, you know, learning to be a, a artist or something like that right. from college. It's like, well, it's like anything you do in life. You could go to a, get a full ride to university yeah. and get a fine arts degree and never do anything with it. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Or uh, you could get into college and just go party and flunk out. <laughs> it's just no matter, it depends on what you're going to do with it, what you're going to put into it. Yeah. So um, I just got started by joining a, you know, very high dollar national coaching program. I looked at it like a college education. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, so my advice to anybody is if you're looking at Jen's program or a mastermind or anything, like just go into it thinking like, I'm going to learn something and be better for it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, it's the it's people totally. that think like, well, I'm entitled now because I paid a price tag. So I should see some results now, but you got to put it in the work. You got yeah. to take action on what you learn. Well, I think if I think about people that I know that have been aggressive in this business here locally and have done well, they're all paying somebody to learn, yeah. you know, continually. Yeah. And the people that aren't, you kind know, the they, and they, yeah, they do stuff, but it's just not near at the level. And I, that's maybe okay, right? Like yeah. that's their, that's their level and that's their jam. But for me, I want to be with other people who are spending money to make themselves better and to get there faster. Yeah. I can't think of one person I know in the industry that just stumbled into real estate and figured it all out on their own. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No. No, I don't know anybody that did. Well, in fact, I try to help people once in a while and I'm like, listen to me, you've got to go find a coaching program because yeah. I can't help you enough for you to figure this yeah, out. Some people are lucky enough to have a mentor that takes them under their wing or they just had family that did it and they learned from them, you know, but that's if, a rare thing. If you don't not able to get that lucky, then you probably got to go out and pay for some coaching and figure this all out. Well, like, look at you and I. You and I had the, all the tools necessary to grow a rental portfolio. We, him, between him and I, we both had that, that experience. Totally. But it was like different pieces of the puzzle, and we needed that group setting to kind of put it all together. Yeah. And that's what happened. We went from like 
not being sure of ourselves to like, all right, let's do this next one. It's kind of, it's yeah. almost becoming routine, you know, it's so new in the, yeah. in the process. And we just started this in February, really. Um, for the majority of people, and for us, I'll say there's a mindset barrier you yeah. got to break through. And maybe it's just doing one deal and it can change everything, you know? Yep. Um, but some people can never get beyond that, you know? Yeah, it's true. But that's why being around like-minded people, positive people, trying to move forward and do the same thing is huge. So that's why we're lucky to hang out with you and, you know, we're paid to be that mastermind, but we get access to people like you or all got the common goals and helping each other out so it's huge we have fun yeah and like we have i talked fun. to dusty this week and we just laughed he was hilarious <laughs> that guy is so funny yeah i call it the daily dusty <laughs> <laughs> he, call, he calls you it gives you like a 15 minute snapshot of his day usually involving going to home depot also a lot of curse words yeah definitely. <laughs> in front of his kids i was like are those your kids in the car I was like yeah they're used to it just refer back to episode one. Uh, yeah, to figure out. What Did we're you guys have to like put like a, like a parental advisory warning on that? No, one? I think I'm the only one who's been cussing throughout these. Uh, well, when you upload them to YouTube, you gotta mark if it's explicit or not. So, so keep it together over there. And if we get noise, we're gonna start doing product placements, I guess. So, right. yeah. I hey, high noon, pay up. I'm telling you, <laughs> game high noon, monster. Come on, guys. Yeah, right. We start little getting- little. Get the YouTube voice take this they, they say you're supposed to work at something like you already have the job. Isn't there a saying like that? Just <laughs> yeah. pretend like you already got it. That's what we're doing here. That's right. Come on, They're already mom. paying us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in all serious, it's like we're treating real estate like a business. Yeah. But many days it doesn't feel like a job. You know, we are like you said. I've worked a corporate job and I can tell you this is nothing like that. No, no. Oh, I would never go back. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. God. We just we were talking about that with Brian Schroeder last night. Like, yeah. I looking back, I felt like I was a horrible employee because <laughs> yes. even though I was like reliable and dependable and good at my job, I was always like thinking of different ways to change the business or I was daydreaming about my own, you know, dreams of real estate or whatever, you know. So I don't know where I was going with that. Mine is <laughs> I have authority issues. You have authority issues? Yeah. So like if I would get an email that said this meeting is mandatory. First off, man, what's up with that? <laughs> exactly. But I would be like, nah, no, it's not. See, like, I'll it that way. I can't stand I have this yeah. like issue where I'm like, mm-mm. You want to bet? I'll, I will prove to I you it is not mandatory. Venture to say most entrepreneurs have a problem. You've got to have that rebel like in your rebel. gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you just start to do yeah. it. I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. It's like my out. attorney told me that her lease is for the next 20 years. I feel like I would choke and die if oh, I ever had to commit to any. Like I mean, it's not like a firm, but it's like there's like a, she's on a 10 year lease and she's got another 20 year extension after that. Ooh. And she's excited about this. That makes me want to throw security. up. I'm set for life, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that is, I would feel so trapped. Right. Like, yeah, get your BMW now, right? You're ready to go. You got your lease lined up. Like, oh, yeah. But yeah. it's also like, there's got people in the world like that. That's awesome. It's just not how I'm wired. Like, I got to feel like I can get free at any point. There was a movie. I can't remember the name of it, but somebody was like a lawyer. And every day he'd pull in the parking lot and everybody pulled in with the same black BMW. <laughs> <laughs> It's like they're all trying to one up each other. Like, oh, I got the newest year model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just drove a BMW. Did you? Those were pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I get it. I mean, I understand. Yeah, I, I gave up on those goals a long time ago of having sweet sports cars. And- you know what's so interesting is that the amount of money that a lot of 
our fellow investors make. Like I have a pretty good gauge on what everyone makes and stuff like that. Yeah. And there's a few millionaires in our group, and like in no way, shape, or form can you tell that they are just by looking at them. No. Like a lot of those, I mean, I have those like want a sports car, you want a boat and all that stuff. It's just like it's you, kind of, you do want a boat, right? But as time goes on, it's just like I like the freedom a lot more than I like the stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. And, and it's just like I don't want to deal with that. Plus, you don't get the taxes and you're like, all right, I'm going to buy a truck because I can actually write that off. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, do we need a write-off? I'm like, what are you after? He's like, do I need to go get a new truck? <laughs> Look, like 16-year-old Brian never thought he would have been excited about getting a super sweet Hyundai Palisade brand new for his family, you know? Like, yeah. that's yeah, that's my goals now. So. Yeah, we just got, my wife just got a uh, Ford Explorer. You trying to win up? I thought you guys were going to talk about no. a minivan. I thought no. somebody was going to go go the minivan route. No, no. I just got rid of my minivan. I make sure. Really? Wow. So, so I got the biggest SUV with a third row. Smart. So didn't have to get a minivan. Smart. Yeah. And it's just cool enough. <laughs> yeah. I sold my minivan to a guy and he's like, well, why are you getting rid of it? And I was like, well, it's not very cool. And he goes, Going for cool? (laughs) 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 So what did you go for? So I'm doing this program that our buddy Phil Vincent told me about called Drive Black Tie. You heard about this? Uh, I'm like totally plugging them right now, but it is the best. I can get a new car every two weeks and they're like, Oh yeah, you're like renting. It's basically a long-term rental. I pay one fee. I don't have insurance. I don't have maintenance. I don't have taxes. And you just trade them out? I just, yeah, I just text them and say, hey, I'm ready for a new car. So that's why I was driving a BMW. I had a BMW for two weeks. What? It is the best thing ever. Oh my gosh. For somebody who doesn't like to commit, awesome. Yeah, what's the, what's the catch? <laughs> no catch. I mean, no catch. It's awesome. Hmm. Yeah. So right now I've got an Acura MDX. Is there a lease? Like, uh, not a lease, but is there a contract to get to do this for a year? Or just... No. Yeah, like, I think, I don't remember what. There's, like, an upfront fee that's, like, 500 bucks. But I can quit anytime I want. $500. It's the best. Man, I wish I would have known that before I got that. Yeah. <laughs> really like it. Really like it. I had a Lexus sports car for a little while. It's yeah. awesome. Love it. Vince, it's always full of cool ideas. Guy. You guys gotta have him on. Oh yeah. Oh, he is a character. Yeah. Maria I love him. Yeah. I feel like we'll hit, like we'll do like an animated show eventually when we're cool. I want to pull Vince off of that. Yeah. yeah we'll he is a character. He is a character. Can I come and like sit in the corner when he's here? Oh, it's <laughs> be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll try not to laugh too loud so I don't take over. We should do that live with him and just yeah. get people coming. He's hilarious. I love you, buddy. If you can hear me, you're one of my favorites. Yeah, he's a good guy. Super good wholesaler. Well, yeah. guys, we're going on them. a little over an hour here. We'll start trying to wrap this wrap up. up. Um, we was kind of like to wrap it up with a little bit of lightning round. So cool. get ready here. I'm ready. Biggest lesson learned in real estate. Two dates. Vet mm, the tenants like your life depends on it. And I think you just told us about an awesome coaching program where you get an awesome checklist to help you out with it. You so. do. Section8educate.com. Section8educate.com. We will put that in the show notes awesome. on the bottom. So. Yep. Jake, serious question for Jen. Go. I don't know if I have a serious question. No? We just cover so much. Yeah, I know. This is the worst lightning round we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> we were ruining the lightning round. Lightning's way over there. Um, if you were just no. giving any advice to somebody starting out, mm. you know, trying to figure out which path you're going to go in real estate. Got anything there? I would say slow down. 
Because for me, I spent the money in April 2018, and I'm somebody like if I spend money on education, I immediately feel like I have to go do something, mm -hmm. yeah. or those I've wasted it. Which is kind of true. Well, but I could have, I could have not bought that flip, and I could have found somebody that would let me like be a fly on the wall during their rehabs, or I could have just taken more time. I could have taken six months instead of two months to learn. Yeah. Maybe I still would have made a mistake, but I think I would have made. I, I because, yeah, it was $12,000 that I lost, but the emotional brain damage was probably worse at the yeah. time. Um, so I tell people that a lot when they feel like, and I feel like they're getting in a hurry if they call me, if they're new. I'm like, go to a bunch of RIAs, walk as My other thing is, like, you got to walk a bunch of properties. Yeah. Like, uh, I probably walked 200 in my first year because I just went, anything I saw online, I would just go look at because, like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and plus, so, you need to, you know, drive that mini bit around. <laughs> So I can zoom in my miles, I can get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it, it, it takes some repetitions for sure. And yeah. I, I had an advantage, you know, getting started, being able to do that every day. Yeah. Um, I think learning to estimate repairs is, is one of the hardest things to do. We just brought that up on our last podcast. Um, oh, let's with, with Alyssa, it does yeah. more wholesaling, but. Yeah, um, love her too. You know, she definitely got help to figure all that out. If you're going to be keeping the property for yourself, you obviously want to know your numbers to a T. Yeah. So yeah. that's really important. And I think, you know, the better you know your numbers, that might allow you to beat out the competition. I I mean, a lot of the direct seller leads we go into, there's multiple buyers oh, out there. If it's somebody newer that's just starting out and hasn't been through as many properties or bought as many deals as us, like they might come in lower just because, well, they think the rehab budget is going to be way out of proportion and crazy um so i think in this market with so much competition you've got to have a competitive edge whether that's knowing your numbers or having more control in your rehab costs or knowing you can rent it out for another hundred bucks um that might be able to make you offer totally. two three four five thousand dollars more and get that deal so um know your numbers know your numbers yeah, yeah. i was telling you we just slow down just try to learn in your local market as much as you can. Mm. And then eventually you're gonna have to take some action. Yeah, sure. I see, uh, you know, the biggest trend this year has been virtual wholesaling. You know, what in the world? Going nationwide. How do you even do that? I mean, it's, it's just calling grandma from out of state. In theory, like, it's How easy. do you know how to estimate repairs? I'm so confused about this. Well, they make it seem so easy. You can just plug in marketing in any market and get boots on the ground and you can so you do have to have boots on the ground yeah oh for yeah. sure okay. but you're tying up homes you know over the phone get the contract set out and then that's contingent on your, your team going out there okay. taking a look at and like we know i mean there's a certain dollar per square foot you know what i mean uh rehab for houses so you can kind of estimate that yeah. well. and then if you know like okay if you're gonna buy it like 70 percent of arv as opposed to like all the way up to 80 yeah you're building some margin there as well so i mean just my personal opinion like if you don't understand the market i don't see how you're gonna be successful here i mean every, i, I mean you get good at your own local market sure if you want to go go out you can probably do that but, but um, if we so wanted to go try to buy houses in Dayton, Ohio. I've never been in Dayton, Ohio. I don't know what the neighborhoods are like. And I've seen a lot of out-of-state and out-of-country investors tie up deals, and they've never been driven down that street. They don't know. But if you want to do virtual wholesaling, get yourself a coach. 
Yeah. <laughs> and figure it out. I'm sure there's coaches out there. I know they're doing, obviously, but right. Just, so, so do you think that those guys end up either moving the price that they've offered or just backing on the deal a lot? So I think that there's a lot. My, my guess, intuition, is probably a lot more of that that happens okay. than if you're in your local market. Got it. So we have, we do not plan on putting a house under contract. But you're not going to close on it. We're going to close on it. Um, and if we're not going to do a formal contract, we're doing an option contract, and that's a whole different story. Well, yeah. then you're up front with them. Then yes. we're up front with them, yeah. this, right? Either way, you're up front. I'm not, and I think there's some bad actors here in the local market as well yeah. that um, tie things up knowing that they're just tying it up to only drop the price, and that just gives everybody a bad name. Uh, so, see, I'm not in that wholesale space. So, like, to you, those guys are known. Like, you know who those people are. Uh, I think you get it in our market. Bad. It's not that big. You get exposed very quickly. Got but, it. Um, Interesting. So, that's why we prefer to be as ethical as possible in every situation yeah. and treat people fairly. Um, I mean, it's easy to just pull up a house anywhere in the country and look at Zillow and offer them 50% of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anybody can do that, yeah. you know, but I just, I think you, people talk as much about like direct mail is going away. Everything's going to be online. No way. There's nothing compared to being in front of somebody being face to face yeah. and being able to shake hands on a deal yeah. and I mean, then I... trusting you to get the deal to the closing yeah. table, you know, um, that's, I mean, this fair thing about what we do. And I just, I don't, that's just my personal opinion. That's how we're going to keep doing things, you know, but you know, we're doing fine. So <laughs> look, you guys have got to figure it out. So yeah. cool. Yeah. We're doing okay. Two deals a month, two, three deals a month, making good amount of money. Yeah. I mean, awesome. keeps us afloat. We're not yeah. trying to pretend that we are, we're trying to do a dozen deals a month and yeah. wholesale a hundred houses a year or do a hundred rehabs a year. Like that's just not us. Like it's just us. We have an assistant. We're going to try to keep things lean and small. And you know, we're, we're focused on building our rental portfolio. Yes. That's our core business. Um, you know, wholesale is our active income. Yeah. Yep. So your active income is cleaning business. And then you got this great rental portfolio. Yeah. What is, what, do you know what your, um, your projected portfolio value is going to be when you hit a hundred doors? Do you have an idea what that's going well, to be? Well, I mean, my I average house is a hundred thousand. It's worth a hundred grand right now. And that'll go up in value as time goes on. Yeah. So I mean, what is that? $10 million? Yeah. Yeah. And right now I'm like right at 75% loan to value. So I tell people all the time, like, you know, every time I buy a house, my net worth goes up by like 30 grand. Makes me so happy. Yeah. So. First off, just how humble a lot of people are in this business. Like you're talking about becoming a decamillionaire in the next five years. Like it's no big deal. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, I, I, I guess. It's I, like I, so freaking cool. Isn't it, it? It's, it's so like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually mind boggling, but I guess the point I was trying to get at, and I realized I was getting to this point, it's just, there's a negative stigma to people who have, you know, grow what their wealth. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's okay to start the process of growing your wealth, but once you get it, you're an evil person. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh my God, that's, that's so small. Well, we were just having this conversation last night. Like, you see people get a huge pay raise and then they just increase their lifestyle. They go buy more. And, you know, yeah. so they never really get ahead. They're yeah. just increasing their their liabilities. Yeah. You know, um, us in the rental game, we're trying to lower our liabilities and our tax, uh, tax liabilities. So, I it's so interesting. A friend of mine who was real estate, he said to me last month, I was talking to him and he said, cool thing about real estate is as long as you've got the time, time will fix like all problems with real estate. You mm -hmm. just gotta have long enough to like get get through whatever the current issue is. Yeah. And that's so smart. Mm -hmm. Totally true. 
Didn't you have a fire in one of your homes? How did time fix that one for you? You know what is so interesting. <laughs> so it was my favorite house. It was in Ferguson. Anybody in the country knows the town of Ferguson. Was Everybody knows. Like my favorite town to buy in. I love Ferguson. I'll yeah. buy the whole town. Um, so I love it. Anyway, so it's probably my favorite house. And on June 30th, Kim, who watches the news, and I always tease her about this, she calls me at 8 a.m. and she's like, Jeff. I think I'm watching our house on Edgeville oh burn really? down. And I'm like, turn the news off. That is not our house. Stop it. And I hang up the phone. <laughs> Surely that is not our house. That no, could not wow. happen. Wow. Sure, You're sure. Like, nah, 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 yeah, sure. yeah, it was our house. So anyway, that was such a bummer. But the end result was I got an insurance payout. So I had it in. So my, my policy at the time was to insure the house for $5,000 more than I had into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've since increased that to 10 because I can see how if you have to like do a whole tear down, five's not gonna be enough. Uh, anyway, yeah. so I got, full, I got the full payout and I'm, basically that was a break even because once I paid off my, I had a private, I hadn't even refinanced yet. I just bought it this year. Oh my gosh. So, so still the hard money lender? Still my private, I've got a private lender. Oh, yep. Okay. Um, so I paid my private lender off. And then um, a local wholesaler, while, before I had the insurance check, he texted me and he said, hey, do you buy fire damaged properties in Ferguson? And I said, no, but I will sell you a fire damaged property in Ferguson. And so Red Waves calls me. And sure enough, since I got my insurance check, I said, okay, go to it. You can sell this property. And so he sold it for $18,000. He must have a lead source for fire damage claims yeah. or something. Yeah, well, it's Gerardo. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I mean, I made some money on it. I wouldn't recommend it as a strategy, but <laughs> <laughs> I made some money on it. No, I don't think burning down your house <laughs> to get the insurance money is a strategy, Jen Donnelly. <laughs> Jen, you've had a lot of valuable lessons early on here. And yeah. some people will never go through their lifetime. So I feel like you could get through any hurdle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I want to end up, I mean, I know we're coming to an end here. I want to end on this. Ryan and I are horrible podcast hosts. Like Jen Donnelly is freaking awesome. And I don't know if we really pulled that out during these interview questions. Well, but people can see for themselves next week at the Faster House. <laughs> Which will already have happened by the time it's there. So well, we were there last month. I'm yeah. sure you're going to get a bigger uh, crowd than we drew for the last month. So. <laughs> we took the house down, bro. Uh, <laughs> in our head, we did. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. You're going to be great. You can yeah. just. Smile lights up the whole room. Oh, so. thank you. It'll be fun. I love and that you have that personality that can get away with saying anything they want. Totally. I envy you for that. Like, yeah. I try to tiptoe with that, and then I get called out. Like, yeah. Oh. No, I like, can. Like, you can tell me to go hell out. I'm like, oh, my God, Jen Dolly's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> She's so awesome. You know, I've got a couple of things in there next week, and I'm going to, like, push it a little bit. Awesome. My husband told me I had to, like, reel it in a little bit. <laughs> and that's when you know to go. <laughs> Don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jen, you've shared a ton today. Thank you so much. Um, is there any any other uh, systems that are you're having success with in your business that you would recommend to anybody? Mm, I'm going to run real quickly through what we use. That's okay. You're talking like software systems? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I use Rent Tech Direct for my property management software. Love it. Simple, easy, easy to teach. Love it. Uh, I use ShowMojo for myself showing. Yeah. Same thing. Love it. And I put those... Um, do uh, Show Mojo locks, the permanent ones on the door, okay. which are awesome. 
And then we use Mighty Call, which is a voice over IP system for our phone system. So that the tenants can call and text there, and then we can manage it remotely anywhere, and it's not dependent on one person. Awesome. Uh, those are probably the three. And then GhostXNake.com for advertising. Yeah. Oh. Jen, it was a pleasure. It's always fun to talk to you, and you share a ton for our guest today, full of value. So can't wait to see you speak next week, and Thanks. keep seeing you, hanging out. Thanks for having me. You guys, this was super fun. Awesome. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>